Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to She Podcast, the podcast about podcasting and oh, so many other things. From the women's point of view, this is Elsie Escobar, co-host and co-founder of She Podcast. And oh my God, my partner in crime and BFF, Jess Kupferman, is over in Nashville attending the Blissdom Conference. How about that? So we were unable to record, and thus, here I am, enjoying this with you. Oh, but my lonesome. Man, you know, you guys, I do miss her when she's gone. I mean, seriously, y'all. We built a relationship through this podcast. And who do you talk to every single week with like almost no fail for years? I mean, right? So yeah, I miss her when I don't get a chance to talk to her. All right. So this episode is a bit of a taster of what our She Podcast Super Squad experience is all about. We each take turns answering questions in there every single week live. So we do like a live version of this question and answer session. Any question that you want to know, for sure. And if any one of us doesn't know something during that time, we will tap the other one and go in there and help out, which you'll actually hear a little bit of that inside of this episode because you don't get that because you're not in the super squad so that you didn't really get this details in the back. But you'll understand once you start to hear Jess answer some questions. All right. So you get all of that until December for $5 a month. So after December, it will double, oh my God, to 10. <laughs> I know it's not even that much though, y'all, come on, to $10 a month. But everyone that signs up at the $5 level will be grandfathered in. Uh, yeah, baby. So if you sign up or you want in at the $5 price, please do that now because you are going to be really sad that you didn't do it. I'm telling you, we're streamlining and making things way nicer for everybody to use. Okay, but given that, first, I want to do a quick news and a quick Elsie's tool tips, both at the same time. News first. The news you can use for the informed podcaster. Podcasting news. Apple Podcast sent out an email last week letting us know three separate things. One of them manage show launches. So this is directly from their email, quote, you can now hide shows while being reviewed for approval. This way, you can easily manage the launch of new shows directly from Podcast Connect. Simply select Hide Podcast after submitting it for review. This action will not impact or delay the feed's review process. When approved, you can then select Unhide Podcast and allow up to 24 hours for your show to become searchable on Apple Podcast, end quote. All right, so what that is, it's only for those of you who are launching new shows, okay? New ones, new ones. Not the ones that you currently have in Apple Podcast. This is great for those of you who have, like, let's say, you want to launch your show January 1st. 
So what you can do is you can submit your show and even maybe three or four or five, however episodes you want to launch with or one, you can submit all of that into Apple Podcasts so that they can approve it. But what you can do is you can hide it so that it doesn't go live, go live in Apple Podcasts. When you are ready, you can then go into Apple Podcast Connect, turn the light switch on after you have been approved by Apple Podcasts, and there you have it. You've got it accessible. Everything can go as planned. My only suggestion is they say there that it's going to take 24 hours for you to be indexed or to become searchable in Apple Podcast. And as you will learn later, that's not where my stance. So I would actually turn that on like a week in advance is my own personal take. Number two, update to host and guest image specifications. Quote, again, from the email, we've updated the aspect ratio of images of hosts and guests displayed on show and episode pages. Review the updated requirements below. If your show page displays a hosts and guests section and you'd like to update or add images, please contact us. Photo submissions for the podcast guests must also include a signed photo release for multiple images. Consider including them in a compressed folder or an external link to an file sharing service. As a reminder, this enhancement is only available for selected top shows in English. More podcasts will be added over time. Please review and accept the latest terms and services in Podcast Connect for your show to be eligible for these features, end quote. So essentially what this means is that if this feature is, again, the lights are turned on for you to be able to access this, which at this point in time, this is not the case. Uh, it is a very much of a hands-on thing by Apple. It is only to a selected few that have access to this feature that I'm talking about. For most of you guys, this doesn't really matter, nor will it for, I don't know, a pretty substantial amount of time. Mind you, everything else for this is managed by Apple Podcast. Your podcast host does not have any say in any of this stuff. So refer back to this, look at the show notes and see, uh, hopefully I'll have a link in there to maybe where this email has been published publicly so that you can refer back in some way, shape or form and follow up on that stuff. If you have any questions, again, you can always email feedback at shepodcast.com. Okay, number three, holiday submission schedule. Quote, if you plan to release new shows on Apple Podcast in November or December, be aware of the following periods of delayed submission activity. So this would be November 22nd to December 2nd, and then December 23rd to January 2nd. Shows submitted during these windows may not be available within our regular time frame of five business days. Plan accordingly and submit any new shows with this in mind, end quote. Okay, you guys, don't freak out all of you who already have shows in Apple Podcasts. This does not apply to you. This only applies to new shows, entire shows, new podcasts that are being produced. There's a lot of people who want to launch a new show on January 1st. And if that's your case, you have to understand that for about three weeks of the holiday end of the year, Apple people aren't going to be turning things over within a five-day schedule. So there are going to be delays. My suggestion is for you to submit whatever new show you want to launch in January, possibly sometime at the end of November or at the beginning of December for that to happen with like no issues. Uh, so again, this is going to be affecting that. This might also affect if you have or see any issues with Apple Podcasts Connect 
or Apple Podcast. Maybe they're not updating your image, or maybe there's something wonky going on with I don't know the way trailers are seen versus bonus episodes and all that stuff. Like very specific Apple Podcast issues that might be arising. Don't expect to get quick responses from the Apple team. So you're kind of going to have to just relax until January comes along. Again, if you have any questions, email feedback at shepodcast.com and we will answer in an upcoming show. Okay, tool tip time. Elsie's tool tip. I've been doing my very best to use a Mac app called Forecast. So, okay, this is what it does. It allows me to easily create chapter markers for each episode. So what does that mean? That if you use certain apps, you can easily scroll to the chapters. And that another way to say this would be like time codes on the app itself so that you can only listen to the things that you want to listen to. So for She Podcast, for example, I will time code when we do the news or the tooltips or Weird and Wild Show of the Week or whatever other segment that we have going on. So that for those of you guys who don't want the chit chat at the beginning of the show, you have no interest of in Jess and I, you just want to hear the news, you can easily just go to that chapter and listen to those news or listen to the tooltips or whatever. It's going to be time coded. Uh, in fact, when you look back at this, if you are listening in any of these apps, you're going to be able to see when I address whatever and then when Jess addresses whatever, and you can move back and forth to the questions in that within this specific episode. I love chapter marks because it not only makes things easier for me to consume and kind of go to the things that I really want to hear, but it also makes it easy for me to share. That's another thing like, oh, this is when Elsie and Jess were discussing whatever, or for me to listen again, because there's a lot of times, like let's say when I was addressing the whole email from Apple Podcasts, I'm going to time code that. And then that way, if you want to re-listen, all you have to do is just go back to that chapter and re-listen that way. Okay. So as of now, off the top of my head here, Apple Podcast, if you're using iOS 12 and above, Castro, Overcast, Pocket Casts, all of those guys use chapter marks. For Castro and Overcast, it is a premium feature. So you do have to pay to kind of get access to the chapter marks. And I'm sure that there are more podcast apps out there that also use chapter marks. Uh, please let us know, feedback at shepodcast.com so that we know or, or we can mention them next time. And that's it. So you guys enjoy yourselves as you listen to Jess answer some fantastic questions. She will mainly address questions about sponsorship and advertising. So if you love any of that, listen up and we'll chat with you guys in about a week or so. Bye. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the She Podcasts Super Squad QA Live. I'm your host, Jessica Kupferman. And today we have some very interesting questions that I'm going to go over. So I hope you will be able to join us. Let's see. I want to make sure that I have all the questions. I see four comments. Oh, I have another one from Brianna. I'm glad I looked. I'm glad I looked. I'm glad I looked. Brianna's asking me a question that I am not sure I can answer, but we, I will do my best, Brianna. Okay, let's start with Amanda Cook's question. And she starts out by saying, it is so fun now that we've all met in person. Finally, yay. I agree. I have known Amanda Cook for about seven years online. This was really good to meet you and hug you and hear what you guys had to say. So yay. Um, her question is about dynamic ad insertion. Do you know which platforms have it or the best way to go about it? I'm on Spreaker. 
And they do have basic function to do that, but it only inserts their own ads. What? I'd like to set up dynamic ad insertion and then record host red ads to insert in my episodes. I think this would be great because then when I don't have a current sponsor, I can insert an ad for my own products and services. Any tips or advice, suggestions on what tech to use? The way that you want to use it, I think, is a really good idea. It looks like you can use that on authentic shows. So authenticshows.com. And in fact, let me put a link here in the notes. I I'm not sure if this is a network or it says they represent high quality, popular podcast, hand selected. So let's not do authentic shows. I'm not going to put a link in there because it seems that they're picky picky about who they pick. Podbean does dynamic ad insertion. I would definitely start there. They're a great company and they're doing all kinds of really, really fun stuff like live streaming. Omni Studio does it, but it seems like it's quite expensive. It looks like Blueberry does it for all professional hosting podcasters pre-roll ads are included. So that's probably a good place to start too. Now, the second part of your question, which is how to make it as easy as possible. I mean, I do feel like you definitely have to make some changes to your host, especially if they only do their own ads. And like, who asked them for their own ads? That's very rude. Blueberry, I really like because it's not too expensive. But I'm not sure if what they want you to do, for example, like if they do want you to switch, do they want you to switch to their professional level, which may cost more than the regular level. And then I see VoxNest, and then I saw, what was the other one I said? Podbean. And, you know, Podbean, like I said, they've been doing some really interesting stuff in this space lately. You can live stream your show. That's how we live streamed all of She Podcast Live. We did it through Podbean. So check out those companies and see what they have to say. I definitely think this is a good idea. I will say this though, like when they say it only inserts their own ads, do you get paid for those ads, I wonder? And I wonder like if you get paid for those ads, you just don't get to choose who the advertisers are. And does that matter because you're not doing the ads? Like, is that a way to make money anyway? I'm not sure. So go ahead and maybe do a little bit more research with who you're with just to see if like what kind of ads they are. But like on the other ones, Blueberry, Voxnix, Podbean, same thing. You need to make sure that they don't choose the advertisers. I mean, those companies probably have a lot of relationship with bigger brands. Like HelloFresh is probably going to Podbean and saying, we want this much reach on these kinds of shows. And maybe they just slide it on in whoever's willing to do ads and make money up for their show. So do a little bit more research to see what it is they're offering. I know you're probably thinking, well, Jessica, you should have done this research before you got on this call. And that is a fair point indeed. But it didn't occur to me until just this moment that I probably should have done that for you. So I'm very sorry. I think also, um, if you could plan ahead what products and services and make the ads. So in other words, if you are contacting the host and they tell you, well, we're not sure, la, 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 have a sample that you can send and just say, this is something I would want to do. They may ask you to be an actual sponsor, like pay, but you shouldn't be able to have to put ads on your own show to pay. But then again, if it's dynamic, what you're paying for is the technology, not necessarily the ad. You're paying for both. So you can always do ads for your own show as a regular read, not dynamically. And that could work too. Also, one good thing about dynamic ad insertion is a good reason to do it is that they can put it in back catalog. So you can make money on back catalog shows, shows that people are still listening to, but that wouldn't be the same price as your shows going forward. So that's something to think about too. Hey, hey, just clarifying a couple little things here that just didn't get a chance to address in her Q&A. So first, 
dynamic ad insertion, okay? There are two or three business models that are used uh, by podcast hosting companies using that technology. So she really described some companies that are doing it. And then Amanda asked a very specific question about her ability to be able to use it on her own and who can support her with that. So I will address that in just a second. Okay, so let's talk about this business model that is coming from like a company like Spreaker or Anchor or Podcast One. I believe Podcast One actually does this and it's why they brought puppies to Podcast Movement, ask around and see what that's all about. Okay, so that is if you opt in to the program that they're offering for using ads on your show. All right, to opt into like turning on the switch for ad insertion. And they will dynamically add ads to your show, right? So I don't know exactly what the level of agency is that you have when you say yes or no, right? To what ads? I don't know. I don't know if you're able to say, I don't want ads that are advertising for these people. I do. I'm okay with this. Like, I don't know what that level is for each company. I think you would have to find that on your own. But generally speaking, the reason that you have less agency is because you are giving them something in return in a way, or you're getting something in return, meaning for most of these, you get free hosting. So if you get free hosting and then you say, yes, I want ads, part of the um, control that you have there is that you just kind of get it because you're getting free hosting, right? So that's where the payment or that the value exchange goes into that. And usually there is some kind of split with the company. There is a split that they give you. Here's the money. You get X amount of money. We get X amount of money. Everybody's fine. And it's usually very like low-key layback. It's just added for you. So that's one way to do it where it's like super uh, blanket. And it's how a lot of these companies are making so much money off of ads. It's because they don't have to deal specifically with podcasters on an individual basis, because that's where a lot of admin work and control work. And, you know, like, do does this person really want to be part of this deal? And, and it just becomes so much labor on the part of the company to be able to do that. Whereas if there's like one page that says, yes, I want to do dynamic ad insertions, and you really don't care, then they actually can monetize a huge amount of accounts and make that much more money. I think Spreaker right now made like, I don't know how many million dollar sales based on their uh, dynamic ad insertion. And it's because there's less, again, there's less one-on-one and anybody can actually join and that's just the way it is. So that kind of a thing is really great for folks that don't really have, feel strongly about what kind of ads you are having on your show, like you really don't care. But if you are somebody that wants to curate your audience experience and you really want to make conscious choices as who your partners are and all of that stuff, that's not for you. So you don't say yes, because you are giving up a lot of your agency. All right. So the other way that these companies are making money off of ad insertion, dynamic ad insertion technology is by working with certain podcasts. And generally speaking, those that have 5,000 downloads per episode per month. So what that's one thing that I didn't notice, tell you about the one uh, thing that I mentioned before is that the one before, it doesn't matter how many downloads you have. So if you have 25 downloads per month and you want to start to monetize in some way, you can add yourself to this pool and just have these ads inserted into your content already. And even though you're not going to be making like a lot of money, in fact, you're probably going to be making cents if that but you're already kind of moving in that. And it's like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You don't really care. You just want free hosting. I just want to eventually at some point, I guess, make money. 
and you don't care, then that's the way it happens, right? No, there is no no into the equation. This other setup here, there is a no because you do have to have a minimum amount, right? 5,000 downloads per episode per month is general industry average. And so if you opt into the, to working with this, you have more agency, meaning most of the time there are sales companies inside of these podcast hosting companies that are working to negotiate deals with very specific people. And in doing so, then you do sign a contract. You do have, you know, like you're working with X sponsor, like it's a very specific relationship that you're having there. You can pick the slots where you want the ads to be inserted. So you have all kinds of other things and you are working at a higher touch with the companies. And therefore, these deals are actually a little bit more lucrative and they're making you more money because you've got the amount of people, you've got the amount of downloads that are required for these deals. So those are, again, those are very specific campaigns with a clear ask from an advertiser to what type of show they want to advertise on, okay? Because most hosting companies out there have sales teams and most have the ability to run dynamic ad insertion campaigns. So there's that. In fact, I would venture to say the podcast company that you're hosting with has that already. You don't have to go somewhere else to have that happen. All right. And then, of course, the company gets a percentage of the campaign that you're running. So generally speaking, it's 30-70, generally speaking. All right. So in fact, actually... (laughs) Lipson started doing these way back in 2008. The technology to be able to do ad insertion is now available in a lot of podcast hosts, including Lipson, which Jess did not mention. And so Jess mentions a lot of folks using dynamic ads, and she mentions a lot of them, but not folks like Lipson, simply because they haven't been talking about it for so long, because it's been part of the industry for such a huge amount of time that we don't have to be like, hey, we do it, but the new people are definitely putting that forward. Okay, so now let's get back to the last opportunity that is often not used very much because it's really only a good choice for some folks. So what Amanda asked, you run your own ads using dynamic ad insertion technology offered to you by these platforms. So this is you being the boss of who you work with and how you insert ads into your own back catalog. This can be working with a sponsor yourself or you can sell your own stuff. I mean, Really, it's really cool to be able to sell your own course to your own back catalog. It's really cool to be able to add all that stuff in the back. So as you can see, it is great from the podcaster end of things. But why would the podcasting company let you use their tools, right? I mean, they really do need to make money. That's the point here. So for you to run your own stuff, that's when you paying premium gets you in the game. So there are ways that you can do that for sure. In fact, larger companies, brands do do that because they have their own sales team that sell their own inventory. What they are paying for is essentially to rent the tools to do that. So you want to do your own thing, you pay premium to have that control. This sort of deal only makes sense when you already have a solid audience and a business that will still make you money even though you are paying the hosting platform more money for the use of their tools, or you are in some way splitting the revenue for the ad deal or for the usage of the uh, of the dynamic ad, right? So I'm going to use Libsyn Pro as an example of that because that is what I know, but it's not the only company that does that. Most hosting companies have pro offerings 
which are pro because there's a vast amount of freedom for corporate professional brands to create a media business that works for them in the way that they want. What they pay for is the infrastructure to do so, which is provided by the hosting platforms. Okay? I hope that that is, uh, you guys understand that. Again, if you have any questions, email feedback at tpodcast.com. And now, back to Jess. So Annie Sargent has the next question. I'd love to pick your brains about ways to find potential sponsors in my niche and how to reach out to them. This petrifies me with fright but I should make progress in this direction. Fair enough, Annie. I will not argue with you there, although I have no idea. I don't know if your show is ready. I don't know anything about that. But if you can see, I mean, I know you're watching. So if you could type in the comments, maybe what kind of niche it is, and I will also look it up and we'll just see for a second because I know I know, but I don't remember. It's a Oh, it's a it's a show about France. France, if you will. Join us in France.com. Ooh, bonjour. Comment ça va? Okay, so... The first thing you do is think about what kind of, hi, Bonnie, back catalog means old shows. Yes, yes, yes. So first let's think about who's going to France or who your target audience is or who's already listening to your show. Probably women, young to mid age, what kind of stuff do they need? I mean, it's not as if you can give them French sponsors because chances are if they are visiting France, they are not French. So instead... You know, they're going to be doing a lot of traveling. They're probably travel people. So any kind of travel gizmos, gadgets, and doodads that you already love, for example, Away. Away is a suitcase company that has a USB plug on top of their suitcase. That would be a good advertiser for you. You know, if you have earphones, like I know that there's these special earphones you can get that aren't like this. They're like a headband. And that way you can sleep without hurting your ears. That would probably be a good company. Comfortable slippers, little tote bags for food or snacks, anything that you use that you find handy, even if it's like a, I mean, or a French travel book or French items or things that people need while they're there, like comfortable walking shoes or, you know, everybody in French wears these little backpacks, things like that. Those are the kinds of things. First, you got to figure out who these people are, what stuff they would already use. And then you start thinking about like what kind of stuff would make their lives better and easier that you already use and dig and like. Every niche, every demographic is going to have big brands that they love. Like when I was doing the agency, every person that I wanted to represent, I asked them what brands they like. They would always say Target, Trader Joe's and Starbucks. Everybody likes those brands. No one doesn't like those brands. They don't have a need to advertise on a niche show. So who does? Who wants to get in front of men and women traveling to France at this age? Only people going to France. I would think travel-friendly companies with a French edge or a French spin. I would think companies who are offering a little taste of France at home, whether it's French chocolate, French bread, French candy, French fries. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Companies that want to get in front of just people French wine. Thank you, Bonnie. Just people that love French stuff. That's where you start. And then as far as how to find them, what you do is make a spreadsheet of all the company's names. And then you have a spreadsheet where with the company's name and their website. And then you do first name, last name, email, title. And then you look on each website to find, you never want to use the contact form. Let me just start there. 
but you need to find the person who makes decisions about sponsorship and advertising. So that for smaller companies, that could be a head of marketing or branding or community outreach. It could be one of those three things because the community thing is kind of like, I mean, sometimes advertising is for brand recognition. Sometimes companies see advertising as like brand reach out to like the people. So it will depend. And the really, really small companies, you're just looking for the CEO. Once I find that person, if I can't find it on the website, sometimes I Google the name of the company and marketing to see if I can find a name or I'll go on LinkedIn and do a LinkedIn search with those two things, the name of the company and marketing, see if I can find an email. LinkedIn doesn't give you an email, but there is a plugin for Chrome called hunter.io and it's free and you just pull up the site and you can find email addresses. So that's how I find them too. And then I just sort of take a shot. I write a pitch letter that's cute and pithy and I take a shot. I try to be funny and light and non-committal. I have a funny feeling, you know, if it's a French company or somebody who does French wine, for example, you're like, I have a funny feeling you want people who love French stuff. Well, guess what? I have a podcast just for people who love French stuff. And I feel like we could be partners. Zutalor, right? So maybe, is that a curse? I'm not sure. Anyway, try and be funny, be light. I'm not sure exactly which part petrifies you, but that's the part I could probably help with if you want to explain a little more in the comment. Okay. I'm getting a bunch of questions, so I'm just going to try and go in a row. Bonnie, thank you for being my assistant on this call. I appreciate it. Kathy says, I always feel like I'm not charging enough for sponsorship and I don't know what to offer all the service or selling points. Yes. Well, Kathy, I'm doing a coaching course on just those questions, like what, how to price and what to offer. But what I can say here is pricing is tricky because you don't know what people want to buy, but that's not exactly how you price. What you want to do is price based on what kind of effort you're putting forth to do the ad. In other words, like most people say, okay, well, if it's a 15-second spot, that takes me 15 seconds to do, so I shouldn't charge more than $25. Wrong. It takes you way longer to do that because you have to get them to sign the contract, then you have to get the bullet points, then you have to set it up in the ad, you have to make it sound good, you have to say all the right things. If they're social that you're including in the campaign, you have to do the graphic and the copy for that and put that out and schedule it. It's not just 15 seconds of your life. The whole campaign process, following up, see how many downloads and sending it to the client, like that is at least an hour of your time, if not more, depending on how long the ad is. While the advertiser thinks they're paying for the length and size of the ad, technically they are, but you also have to include how much work, effort, and hassle it is for you. Also, as far as what to offer for the services, that is a matter of your level of comfort. So you can just do audio or you can do audio and social, audio, social, and email audio, social, email, and, you know, like a special presentation, like an unboxing or a special video, something like that. That's sort of how you, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can choose to include that you can, you know, you can be creative. You can wear their logo on a t-shirt. There's all kinds of stuff that you could do. I would start with the audio ads. And if you have a community outside of your podcast, that's larger, for example, Elsie and I have the Facebook group that's 14,000, even though our podcast only gets about a thousand or so downloads an episode. So we obviously are going to put that in because it's very valuable to our advertisers. So I hope that's helpful. You can certainly post follow-up questions if you want. Bonnie says, Annie, interview a woman named Kimberly Witt who has the parasite itinerary. Thank you, Bonnie. Okay, Carmen Roman. 
I am launching a subscription model for $20 a month for Spanish-speaking women. I'll charge $13 for a year for the ones who subscribe in November. What do you think? I think that's way too low. I think if you're charging $13 for the year, if they sign up in November or $20 a month, what I would do is, okay, $20 a month times 12 is $240. Charge them $150 if they sign up by November. Otherwise, it's going to $20 a month. But if they get it right now, they can get it for about 10 a month, you know, and they have to pay all in one shot because 150 is the kind of number that I personally give in one shot without even thinking about it. If it's under $150 and under, I basically say, okay, I'm buying it. I don't even, you know, I don't even read the whole thing that clearly because that number is a no brainer for me. $13 for the year. I don't know that I would respect that product. And then if I paid $13 for the year and then you started charging $20 a month, and I had a friend who signed up for that, I'd feel really bad for them. I might say something. So I think I would raise it. Don't undervalue what you have just to get it out the door. You're still worth something. You are always going to be worth something. I mean, $13 a year is like, I get that you want to get signups quickly, but I do think $100, $150 is, it will allow you to do that. Okay, so Dahlia says, tagging on to Annie's question, what markers do we determine whether or not our show is ready for a sponsorship. So, okay, there are a couple of different markers, tangible and intangible, that I like to go by. First, actual numbers. So not just how many downloads per episode. And when I say that, for those of you who don't know, I mean, today is November 5th. Go back to October 5th. The one episode that you put out that week, how many downloads does that one episode have? That number will tell you how many downloads per episode you get, not per month, because per month is always going to include back catalog. So not per month, per episode. So you take October 5th, you take November 30th, you take October 10th, average them all together. What do you got? That's your downloads per episode. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook group, email address. If you have YouTube subscribers, great. Anywhere you're willing to promote the partner, is what you should take into consideration. Those are tangible markers. Intangible markers are people constantly emailing you and telling you how much they love your show. Are they constantly pitching to be on your show? Are they tweeting and Facebooking and giving you social media messages saying thank you or telling you how your show is changing their lives? Those are some intangible markers anyway that I think you can start to feel when other people are wanting to get involved in your show, even at a slow, slow pace. Those are good markers for me. Also, keep in mind that the reason people question whether or not they're ready for sponsorship or not is not because they're not sure what markers, but because they feel like if they have a good show and the content is good, that they should be ready. That is not true. Sponsors do obviously want good content, of course, because who would want their ad on a crappy show? But what they really want is to be in front of that audience. They want to make sure that your audience is their audience. That's part of why I answered Annie the way I answered her, because you got to find people that really want to get in front of your exact audience. That is the product you're selling, not the content, not the mission, not your hopes and dreams, not your guests. It's always going to be the audience. So if you have a healthy audience and listen, if the audience is specific, it can be small. So for example, I was talking to someone earlier today who has a show about fitness for a very specific amount of women, and she's been interviewing doctors. So as a result, 
the professionals that are listening to her are wealthier and they're more corporate. And then also she's been promoting it like crazy on LinkedIn, which gives her a completely different demographic than people who are advertising inspirational shows on Facebook. She has a much higher tax bracket of people. So she can go after shows for people who are working in corporate offices and have a commute. And, you know, it's different than the stay at home mom who likes to hear inspirational stories. These are stories by doctors and lawyers and teachers. It's just different. So even though her show has 200 or under, she also has a LinkedIn crew of like 6,800 people. That is sellable. Okay. Uh, Zutalor, she said, okay. Uh, Annie says, I'm not comfortable selling anything. Well, let me just read all these comments and then I'll get back to that. Okay. She says, I'm not comfortable selling anything. And then Bonnie says, you should definitely take Jessica's coaching. She so easily sells anything. That is true. I would love to have you. And you can still sign up because the first call does not start until next Monday. So if you want to sign up, podcastmoneymakers.com. But I'm not here to sell that. I want to still talk to you. Okay, so selling and comfort. Let's talk about that for a second. The only reason in my life I've ever found that I'm uncomfortable selling something is when I'm either unprepared, I don't believe in the product, or I don't like the way I'm trying to get people in the door. Also, if I feel desperate, I can't do it. Like if I really, 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 really want and need people to buy something, I got to wait till it's casual for me because casual is the only way to be comfortable. So instead of banking your entire life on whatever it is you're selling, aka advertising, have it be your social and or business experiment. Because once something is an experiment, not only do you sell with a little more panache, you're more comfortable, you can have a little more fun with it because you're not like... You're not putting all your eggs in that basket. You're reaching out just to see what happens, just to see what's what, just to see who's interested. If they're not interested, they're lost. If they are interested, great. Let's try this out. We've never done it before. What could happen? Anything could happen. You know, getting into podcast advertising and even sales when you're selling something, it's really about like, hey, I can help you with your goal. If you don't want my help, oh, well, ski. But this is what I'm doing to help you with your goal. You know, it's the same with the sponsorship, the coaching. I tried to sell it at the live event, but Chris kind of talked me into doing a breakfast like the last day. I wasn't expecting to do a breakfast and I was really tired the last day of the event. So like I very reluctantly got up there and started trying to sell people into my coaching, which I truly believe the information that I have about sponsorships, how to get them. I have all the templates. I've done it a thousand times. No one else can teach people about sponsorship better than me. I fully believe that. But do I want to stand up at a 9 a.m. breakfast to tell people about it after I've just spent the last two months of my life foregoing food and showers to get work done? Like, no, I was exhausted. I wasn't even making sense that day. That makes a big difference. It makes a really big difference. But this is the first time I'm offering this program. So I'm really more like, do you want to join me? If you want to join me, I'm happy to help you. If you don't want to join me, I totally get it. I'm not banking on it. It's not my last resort. I'm not desperate. I'm just trying something out. And I think if you can see it as an experiment, it'll work out for you. I don't think this was selling everything. If you offer products, then clearly it can't all be an experiment. But when it comes to advertising on your show, you got to go at it with a playful attitude. It even helps your sales doing that. Carmen says $13 per month for the first year. Yes, that's perfect. I'm an asshole. So sorry. <laughs> that's a perfectly good price. Annie says, is that a book? I can't find a podcast with that name. 
Bonnie says, that's really good info. You're selling your audience, not the product. That is good for you to remember. Thank you. Christine says, hi, when I was walking around my house with the news you can use with your lovely voice over and over. Thanks for being with me. Oh, she was just saying hi. Hi, Christine. Okay. I think there's a question by Brianna. Honestly, Brianna, I don't know if I could answer this. Here's her question. My podcast has been accepted in Apple Podcasts, but it's not showing up in search. What do I do? What do I do next? Oh, but you can't find it. I see. Nope. I don't see it. Here's what I would do. First thing I would do is make creator profiles on Spotify, Google Play, on a website. You know, make sure you're publishing it to a website. And um, Spotify, Google Play, Apple. There's one more. I don't know what it is. But all the other ones, add it to that too. Because sometimes they take less time than Apple. Apple's not the end-all be-all of a show. You can have it anywhere. Your strength is going to be in who you get to listen to it, but they got to be able to find it on the web somewhere. So if you need to add it to CastBox, if you need to add it to Google, if you need to add it to Spotify, is probably your best bet because everyone and their mom loves Spotify. And actually Spotify lets you share from Spotify to your Instagram stories, which is cool beans. So I would try that and then just wait for the Apple. I would give it a week or two. If nothing happens, I don't know. We're at their mercy. There's no support. There's really no way to get in touch with them. It's not like there's a jerk we can call. I would just try and circumvent them until you can get the search working. Hi, it's Elsie again. Okay, just to... <laughs> I can't stop myself. I can't stop myself. Okay, just to clarify a couple little things about searchability. Okay, to search. To search inside of Apple Podcast. This is what I would say to all of my clients. It will take a minimum of two weeks and up to a month to be properly indexed in Apple Podcast to start showing up in search. That's just the nature of the beast. This is also true for Spotify and Google Podcasts. Sometimes it is faster, but not in any way instantaneous. So just because your show is in a directory right when you launch, it's not going to be accessible via search for quite a while. It needs time for the system to start to index everything about your show, your episodes, your name, your description, all of that stuff. So, but sometimes it's faster, but in no way is it instantaneous. All right. You will eventually be found by your podcast title and your name eventually, but it does take time because there are other working algorithms in there that are weighted to give results for certain search terms and depending upon how much something is searched. So it, you know, there are variables in there. I still feel that is the most important thing whenever you are sharing your show to say, here is my show in Apple Podcast, and you provide them with the link to subscribe to your show versus you saying, I'm available everywhere. Find me at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all those things. Because when you first start, that is not the case. When you first start, there is uh, more uh, that you have to work uh, towards people finding you. And I venture to say that if people search for your name, that would actually come up faster than if people search for your podcast name, especially at the beginning. All right. And now back to Jess. Kathy says, I just want to sign up for your course, but life is too crazy. I wouldn't get the most out of it. I totally understand. Just so you know about the course, because now we're like at the very end here. The course is three calls. First, you get a a one-on-one chat with me for about an hour. Then we have three group calls, November, January, and February. And then 
we do an in-person workshop for a day right before PodFest, and it includes a VIP ticket to PodFest. So you would just have to cover your travel. And it includes a VIP ticket to next year's She Podcast Live. So you get two conferences for free. You get three group calls where you're working with people. I'm changing the um, format to Thinkific. So by Monday, we'll have our own little community in Thinkific. All the lessons and things will be in there, downloads, templates, et cetera. So it's going to be really good. I totally understand if life is crazy. I have been there many times and I get it. And it's not cheap. So I don't want you to spend money on something that you can't take advantage of. I may do a shortened, non-interactive version of this course just so the information is out there. And I may run it again. I don't know if I'll run it again after PodFest because PodFest, it marks the beginning of me starting my hustle for She Podcast Live. So I really only want to do this group once a year. And it's during this free time when I'm not focused on my hustle hustle. So I'll let you know. I totally understand. I also have payment plans, but yeah, I totally get it. Okay. So does anyone have any other questions about anything? Bonnie, you have been immensely helpful today. Thank you so much. I just sometimes, Bonnie, Frank, I don't know what I would do without you. You are not just a good friend, but an efficient partner to have. So thank you for that. I truly appreciate it. If anyone has any other questions about anything we've talked about today or about my course, you can post it in here or you can send me an email, just at shepodcastslive.com. I love you guys. Hey, also, I'm going to be at Blistem Conference. If anyone is going to Blistem or if you know anyone going to Blistem, please have them reach out to me, just at shepodcast.com. I'd love to have like a little little meetup or something next week so I can see some of you guys and give you all some hugs. Thank you so much for being here. I love you guys. Mean it. Bye. <laughs>